Well, hello everyone. Welcome to Jung and the Restless. I'm Jung. I'm here I'm with Restless. restless. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, if you're just tuning in, you missed the first half of our podcast that Restless was not recording. Um, so we're, we... Uh, I didn't want to interrupt you. It's an it's Enneagram 9, man. It's, it's, a perfect, inert, it's inertia. I just I had a hard time stopping the conversation. That's a perfect segue. The problem is, as a 5, I just used probably a week's worth of words <laughs> in 10 minutes, and my voice has about 10 more minutes. Yeah. Um, but we were talking about the Enneagram because both of us, as it turns out, filter like every or almost every human interaction um, through the lens of the Enneagram. And I, I've been talking to some guys who don't filter interactions through the Enneagram. And I'm trying to explain to them basically why my brain works that way. Um, and I, I feel like most people at this point are familiar with the Enneagram, but a lot of people have sort of dismissed it because it is on the surface just like a another personality test that you know maybe there's it has a little insight maybe it's fun but there's no real real value um so this is fun for me because even like even um tv shows like every i have to type like every character um and even sports teams, I, every athlete, I mean, they're all either threes, eights, or seven feet tall. Um, but, like, that's just the way my brain functions at this point. And that's the weird part is it, you, we, you have to be able to empirically say that, like, the foundations of this thing are valid in order for it to be worth anything. But... For most of us, we start at like, this works. I don't know why it works and I don't know how it works, but like, it's so, it's just deadly accurate that I can predict and interpret what people are doing through their Enneagram type if I just know their type. And I can figure out, just from getting to know them, I can figure out their type. And from knowing their type, I can get to know them. And so what were you going to say, Nate? Yeah, well... Do you remember the do you remember the text that I sent you when I introduced you to the Enneagram? No. And I said, hey, there's this there's this uh, personality test. Um, and you were like, oh, cool. And I was like, yeah, but uh, it's completely subjective and is not in any way backed up in empirical data. And you were like, say no more. Sign me up. <laughs> and you get to pick your own number. <laughs> Yeah, that's weird. That's the weird part too. Um, but it's 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 a uh, it's like a all right. So so I went out on a, I went on a date once and with uh, you know and like you go out on a first date and you're like don't 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 talk about it don't talk about it don't talk about it and then eventually you're like uh, okay whatever it's gonna come up and she was a therapist so she was all about it she knew all about it and she was like she was like hey man <clears throat> what do you what do you call somebody that's in into the Enneagram um, and a vegan? And I was like, I don't know what. And she was like, your youth minister. 
<laughs> what do you call somebody that's into the Enneagram and does CrossFit? And I was like, I don't know what. And she was like, a narcissist. And I was like, let's go on another date. You win. That, because that's... it's so easy to both completely troll, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and also it gives you such a helpful vocabulary for your every, like for your experiences every day. Right. Well, um, you can, you can troll, you can use it to troll because it's so, because it works every time. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Not every time, but almost every time. And it like, I mean, that's, that's, that's why you can make memes out of it is because it works. And so and that's where people that that's where it gets a little weird because people are like, if you listen to Enneagram experts, you know, it, it, well, the Enneagram is a mystery and you have to be content to live in the tension of, of unknowing and just, you know, we can't explain everything empirically and that's fine. That's okay to stay there and to just accept that because it works. But like, if it works, then we ought to be able to explain why it works. Like to, uh, to me, uh, like trying to tell somebody else the value of it without explaining how it works and just, just trust me, just trust me. You'll, when you do it, <laughs> you'll get, you'll get it. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. I can, you know, I can't convince anyone to do anything ever. So like trying to convince someone to do the, any, I'm, I mean, I'm the worst you know, convincer. Um, so I, like I need, and, and, you know, I need to know why it, like, why does it map onto the circle? That doesn't make any, you can't just tell me that this personality test is so descriptive and predictive. And then it maps onto this weird star shape and just go, just, just go with it. It's a mystery. Yeah. Like that's not, that's not good enough. Well, I think one of the best ways to know one of the best ways to prove just how effective it is, is to look at the way that people respond to finding out their number. Yeah. Right. Like what seven do you know that doesn't absolutely love the fact that they're a seven? Oh, they're thrilled to find thrilled. out. Thrilled. Best day ever. Um, and like uh <clears throat> I I was on um I have a, a friend who's a four and we were on a uh uh, study abroad trip with some students last summer and so like we're we're in the van for like hours right one day it's like nine hours with these students so you talk about all kinds of stuff the enneagram comes up and uh he's a four right so he doesn't like being typed and, right uh, and so the students are like yeah 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 what 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 number are you what number are you and he was like you know what i am i'm a four wing go fuck yourself that's what i am we're like that's not that's not even the right way to say it, man. No, but but I was like, that's you couldn't give me a better answer. But see that for being a four, yeah, you just you just fulfilled your stereotype. It's so predictive because none of us can understand you. You're right. Yeah, and you there's are... a there's a zero percent chance that a one would say that, or a two would say that, or, or a three, nine, or a, like. You have you just you have to be a four to say that, yeah, and it just proves that that that's what I, like it's so predictive and descriptive. It has to be true, but then you go, I don't know, man. I like this is it's a weird, like how are the types even connected? 
like when like that doesn't make any sense that my yeah. type would be close to another type on this circle and maybe yeah. they're not maybe wings maybe wings are nonsense i don't know but they don't it doesn't seem like they are um but so this guy um i did a little bit of probing into like okay so how did this really come about and this um this philosopher Gurdjieff you ever heard of Gurdjieff no he's like a, he was like an he was like a philosopher that I think he coined the term new age he was okay. he was kind of a gypsy he just he, I think he was born in Romania and then he spent a long time in Russia and then like turn of the century and then ended up in America he came up with all kinds of theories and he had like a school that followed him anyway he was an eccentric dude but he brought back at some point he discovered the the actual symbol the circle with the arrows yeah. and he um had a theory but he didn't map he didn't map like anything even close to what we see it now but okay. he had this theory that every person is directed by either intellect um basically head heart and body so intellect emotions and like physical instinct so that's so, the that's the what the mind gut and and heart and heart yeah yeah so he came up with like that triad which okay that kind of makes sense everybody when you have to make decisions you're either led by rational in intellect you're led by emotion or your you know your heart feeling center or you're led sort of instinctively like you know fire ready aim where you're it's not you're not processing until after the after you've already done so after you've already taken action that's yeah. the instinct one's harder to explain but it but it makes sense if you think about those triads as as a starting point well you have to under you have to understand it um over against the other two that's that's when it becomes clear right right so the other you know, like so the instinct part or the gut part is honestly sounds pretty ridiculous and i think like kind of transparently self self-serving you know um when you try to explain to somebody what that is where you're like no you know i just kind of feel it and it really sounds to me like I'm trying to escape any kind of responsibility for my own decisions. Right. right. Yeah. But when you when you put it in in context with the other two, then you actually can see how how the decision making differentiates itself. Right. And vice versa. Yeah. Well, and if you think about the brainstem, so you you, you get your body, your senses give you some kind of feeling. Your senses give you data that hits your brainstem and that immediately prompts a feeling. The feeling comes first, the, the affect, whether it's fear or excitement or ner you know nervousness, whatever that feeling is that your senses give you. And then you feel something and then usually your feeling prompts a response, like an action response. However, you know, with like, now that you know we've evolved to have a prefrontal cortex now we have this like layer of rational thinking 
over top of that yeah. process. Yeah. So in a sense, you've already got the triad right there. You've got the, you know, your <laughs> senses give you some kind of stimuli. You feel something and then that causes you to do something unless your your cognition, unless your rationale overrides that instinct and then you make some sort of intellectual decision that trumps your feelings and your natural proclivity for action. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think Gurdjieff's that triad works. I mean, um, neurologically and just experientially, if you just say head, heart and body, which is, um, I mean, really it's the foundation for the Enneagram, but I think that triad works. Well, I think it works in part because it's descriptive and not prescriptive. And I think it stops working the moment it, it sort of crosses into that prescriptive um, category, right? So it, it's just giving you a vocabulary. That's what it's doing. Right. At least for me, it just gives me a vocabulary or some like concepts or a way to understand what's happening. Um, and then, it, but it it stops working. It actually starts becoming limiting when, when I start thinking about like, well, how does a nine with a strong eight wing respond to this? As as if that's going, I'm going to decide based on that, right? It yeah. it kind of becomes a, a a cage. But so long as we just if as we experience it as something that's a tool to help me talk about the parts of my life that are important. Or the parts of my life that I don't I don't know how to articulate on my own. Yeah. Um, then then it becomes then it becomes like as as like brilliant and powerful and ridiculous and chaotic as our lives are. Right. It's as it's like simultaneously completely silly and irrational and also makes perfect sense. And yeah. And is incredibly helpful because it's just a lens for our own experiences. At least that's how I I understand the Enneagram. Yeah. Well, you're kind of looking at you're you're looking at the you like you turn the telescope around and you're looking at the lens that you've been yeah. looking through. You're looking at the lens that you've been looking through. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And the reason the the only reason I got into it is because it wasn't prescriptive. There was yeah. no like there was no like should or shouldn't attached to it which is what i loved it, there was no like and honestly it was you the the initial reaction for most people is other than sevens is is a neg is a negative like self-conscious yeah. yeah feeling of being like exposed and pro probably sevens feel that way too they just project you know uh pride they're just not, they're just not gonna linger in it yeah they're not they're not going to let it kill their buzz. No, no. Do you um, remember? Do you remember the moment you realized you were five? Yeah. Because I test, I test, get, I tested as a seven. So I, a really unhealthy five. Yeah. But, but as soon as I read the description, I was like, I no. guess no. sort of. And then I, and then I, I think the guy that gave it to me was like, why don't you go, why don't you read about fives? And then yeah. I was like, uh yeah that's me um and it was it was painfully obvious right uh, um but 
I think what you're getting at is what I was thinking about in terms of of Jung's complexes. And basically, you know, he talks about these the way our the way our psyche is structured, it has a each of us have our own pattern. And he he uses the word constellation, which I think is a great word for it. But you've got these you've got this genetic component of the idiosyncrasies that you that you're born with genetically but you've also got all of these individual really early childhood experiences and you've got memories and fears and dreams that organize themselves into a complex meaning like they're 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 like they're like it's like a ball of rubber bands that has to be extricated in order to integrate and it, it's it's like isolated so you know one of the examples was like if you if you had your leg amputated when you were a child and you had to grow up as an amputee you would develop your development would be changed like your experiences would be changed in a dramatic way so that they would structure themselves your 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 desires that your interactions with other people would structure themselves in a way that creates a complex you know there's like yeah the famous ones would be like the napoleonic complex or you, you know where napoleon was small so he you know put it he tried to put himself out in the world as as a large you know as a large yeah superhuman or you know the god complex messiah com you know there's all these complexes that that are but carl jung really coined the term but that's how i think of our enneagram type is that it's essentially just a complex it's a way that my idiosyncrasies and my experiences and my individual desires and interactions like they've form themselves into this pattern that helped me survive like as a small person and but then they 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 become crystallized because once we figure out that once we figure out that it works then it becomes crystallized and really that complex becomes isolated it's not integrated with the rest of my psyche it's this pattern that sits somewhere in between my so, and some of it's conscious. I'm aware of some of it, but a lot of it's just unconscious. I just do things and I don't know why. And I think that's where like people have, I, I think that's why we have often such strong reactions when we find our type, because so much of that behavior that was crystallized, um, we've, we've been doing it since childhood. Right. And so we have no idea that we're actually doing it or that, or that we're able to connect what seem to be these disparate experiences or disparate pattern, not patterns, but disparate you know, um, mindsets or paradigms, things that that we don't know how to how to put together cohesively. And for a lot of us, the Enneagram actually uh, uh, weaves that together for us. And you're like, oh my God, this is what I've been doing. Right. I, since Since I was... You know, since I was six and I couldn't decide, you know, and I felt guilty because I that day I may have liked, liked mom more than dad. Oh, my God, this is what I've been doing. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah. Since well, the time that since the time that my sister asked me for a school project, what do you think about the human race? And I said, I don't like it because uh, everybody else has to come in last except the person that wins. Really? Yeah, Amanda. It's a. She, I remember her interviewing me for some kind of social studies project, and she was like, "Nate, what do you think about the human race?" And I was like, "I don't like it because I think only one person can win." You remember that little brown recorder that we had? Yeah, Fisher yeah. Price. Yeah, I, I go back to that when I talk about being a nine. Dude, I've never that heard was, that before. Yeah, yep. And I remember, I, I like, I we were in the dining room, and I couldn't have been older than six or seven. Like, obviously, I didn't know what a, a human race was. I thought it was like a real race, you know, a real race. Beings, yeah, yeah, that human beings are are running. And I was like, you know, I guess somebody's got to come in last. I don't think I like that. What an existential question for a fourth grader to be asking a first grader. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I wish I had. I wish I had been there for that. I wish she would have asked you. Yeah. She would have she would have got more than she bargained for. Yeah. But um, that was it, like when you're like, so when when did you like as you look back on your childhood, when did you know? Right? Yeah. Like what's the earliest evidence that you can think of? And for me, it's being in the dining room and telling well, Amanda, I don't really like the human race. Yeah. Even just the word race, like just went like, like rubbed you the wrong way yeah yeah but then but then you like it, it you like in in what sport when i start playing do i not become like like psychotically engaged in right in yeah. wanting to win yeah and that's where the eight wing comes in right yeah because i'm not I, i'm actually not I, i'm like fully in, i'm following my impulses like an eight right right i'm not self-conscious yeah but there's also a little part of you that's that like resents the fact that you have to do this in competition. Like you you want to win, but you yeah. also are you also resent the fact that this thing is structured in this in this way in this way. Maybe I'm yeah. I, maybe I'm speculating. Let's let's turn this let's turn this around on you. <laughs> Here's what I was gonna say. Because the individual types are all fascinating. Yeah. But I, but like what you were saying is, uh, for me, I didn't realize that there were other ways of being. Like, hmm. I kind of knew that I, I mean, I had a pretty good idea that I was introverted. But like, I didn't know that there were other, you know, like core motivations and that mine was different than everyone else's. Yeah. I mean, I immediately saw it, recognized it, but I wasn't conscious of it in those terms until I read like my type versus the other types. Yeah. And so then you go, oh, wow. Because like, I mean, the five is the observer. And we used to come out of, in eighth grade, we used to come out of the cafeteria the whole middle school came out together and there was that little amphitheater where everyone i don't i don't know why we would come out of the cafeteria and we would stand in the amphitheater yeah. for like three minutes yep i guess they were cleaning up the cafeteria or something yeah but the whole middle school at least, at least felt like it maybe it was the whole grade was just in this one spot as one large unit and me and chris samanka would play this game let's let's be the observers and we would each go find a spot 
in the amphitheater and just observe the group. And then we would report back to each other, like anything interesting that we observed. And we did this every, like every day for months. We didn't. At 14. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't talk to anyone. The whole grade was hanging out. We didn't yeah. talk to anyone. We went and sat by ourselves and observed and then reported our findings to each other. And we called it the observers. Let's go, let's go do be the observers. And look, it's like I, that doesn't even you couldn't even make that up. Like you couldn't write that. If you wrote that in a book, you'd be like, that's stupid. You no one does right. that. But then it's like, oh, but I didn't re even remember that. I forgot that was. That. And that was like the most unstructured social interaction you got all day. Yes. Were those three minutes after lunch when when you were just standing in the amphitheater, yep. right? Like I remember at that time, we that, that was like the moment when we planned to go talk to the hot chick. Okay. Because everybody's going to be in like their little groups yeah. standing around. Yeah. And you're like, this is, I'll, I'll go, I'm going to go talk to her after lunch, right? And uh like in the most unstructured, socially interactive three minutes of the day. Yeah, because there was you, no teachers. You were like, you were like, let me go, let me go stand on the outside and just watch everybody for a minute. Yeah, let me go see what these people do. I, and it was it like the fact that I had found. It turns out that Chris is also a five. Yeah, the fact that I had found someone else that I could do it with, and not so that it was a game instead yeah. of like just being weird was the most freeing feeling because it was like if anybody's like what are you doing i'd be like oh me and chris are we're being we're doing we're taking off observations and like i got a license to just like be a scientist while everyone else was making friends <laughs> <laughs> while everyone else was trying to find their homecoming date yeah while everyone else was talking to girls yeah um all right, so listen to this. So I wrote down what um, what Freud, not Freud, but what Jung says about complexes. And he says, it, a complex is the image of a certain psychic situation, which is strongly accentuated emotionally and is moreover incompatible with the habitual attitude of consciousness. This image has a powerful inner coherence it has its own wholeness and, in addition, a relatively high degree of autonomy. Hmm. So it like it it has like he's basically like the whole it has its own pattern, its own structure, and it has a relatively high degree of autonomy, meaning like it's just happen like this is just the way we work. Like the complex is working on it on its own um, on its own volition. Like I'm not, most of the time, I don't even know it's, it's running contrary to my consciousness. Like I can become aware of a complex, but nine times out of 10, what I'm doing is the result of the complex that I, I didn't even realize the, that the process was, was happening. Yeah. And, and you don't realize it until after it's happened. Yes. Which is also, I think a trait of the Enneagram, at least for me is I, I like when I'm doing it, I never know that I'm actually doing it. It takes it. It's always like right after the fact or sometime after when it becomes painfully apparent that I couldn't be more of a cliche in right in that experience that I'm following yeah. that pattern 
so perfectly. And the less time you have to react, the more autonomy the complex has. The archetype, yes. like it's just, yeah. it's just because there's no, there's no conscious oversight of the decision making process. It's just right. It's just reactionary. Um, let's see. He says so it has a relatively high degree of autonomy, so that it is subject to the control of the conscious mind only to a limited extent, and therefore behaves like an animated foreign body in the sphere of consciousness. It behaves like an animated foreign body. And see, that's what, to me, that's what we're describing when we describe our Enneagram type. It's, it's, a, it's a structure. It's like a, it's like a constellation that is just, it's just working. And everybody's is unique to a degree, but it, everybody's fits into one of these types. Yeah. I, I mean, the way he talks about it, it sounds like it has agency. Right. It, it would have to. It would have to. Yeah. yeah. I mean, anything that's happening in the psyche unconsciously, by definition, has its own agency. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, so it reminds me of, um, uh, you want to make a sharp left turn here for a second? Sure. Okay. Yeah. So it reminds me of, of something that Friedrich Schleiermacher writes about. And Schleiermacher is a 19th century German romantic theologian. And uh, he, he's, he's, um, it's a, a a set of speeches he gave called speeches on religion to its culture despisers where he's kind of trolling these really educated these really educated um, uh, social elites who think that they've like reasoned beyond uh, uh, like knowing God right that that's right. that's beneath them and yeah. so he says um, he talks about religion and he's like none of y'all get it that's the reason why you don't believe in religious experience because you actually have no idea what it is. And he says, it's, it's, it's not the lightning bolt. He says, it's, it's something that you overhear. He says in it, and it, you do nothing because of it, but everything with it. Hmm. In other words, it animates what you're doing, but the moment you become aware that it exists, it's no longer a religious experience. That as you start to process and unpack it, you actually get further away from the experience itself, from the thing that you're experiencing. Right. And so, so you may you may be able to reflect on it, and you may be able to like come up with these universal categories, right, or come up with understand the patterns in it. I mean, that's that's what I that's what I do in phenomenology of religion. But it's it's the thing that's always there that's animating you. You're always doing it with religion you're never doing it because of it and so that's what i think of when you talk about these patterns and i don't think Schle i mean schleiermacher would never use the word subconscious or unconscious but yeah. that's essentially what he's talking about he uses pre-reflective so it's before you realize it's happening yes which is saying the same thing yeah yeah that there's and something out there or or in there maybe yeah um that it's it's like a the moment you start thinking about being angry, are you still angry? Can you be angry at the same time as you're thinking about it, right? And so so the thing that's like moving you, yeah, um, that you're carrying with you all the time uh, is is there whether you like it or not. And you don't have to know that it's there to be animated by it. Yes, which is why people become religiously zealous 
over science. Right, right. Or or <clears throat> religiously anti-science. But but that religious, that animating religious energy, spirit, is is what it, it has its own, it has its own, what what does he say? It has its own um volition. It has its own um autonomy you know yeah it's a it, like it, it behaves like an animated foreign body it's it's animated it behaves like an animated foreign body because it is it's like an animating it's an animating um energy yeah it's and, it's move it's moving the puppets right yeah and so you can say or, or it's or it's weekend at bernie's and it's it's like hitting the play button on the stereo and it just starts back, and you yeah. just start it just starts you're doing it yeah yeah so you can say well that's not god god is not you know that and that's what the, yeah. you know the, the scientific materialist would say well that animating energy is not god and it's like okay then what is it right you know like it's not it's not atoms or, or what or quarks you know like what's animating the atoms and the quarks like they're they're animated and so you have to you have to come up with some kind of explanation hey which one of your kids was that was that did you see it in the reflection i, I could see it in coach prime's shin yeah that was pip she's okay. home from school today okay um i'm gonna keep going because i think jung is the the genius of all geniuses yeah um, yeah keep going so every constellation of a complex so this is where he uses that term every constellation of a complex postulates a disturbed state of consciousness the unity of consciousness is disrupted disrupted and the intentions of the will are impeded or made impossible okay so like say, and say that what, say that last part one more time okay the, the unity of consciousness is disrupted and the intentions of the will are impeded or made impossible so that goes back to what you were saying. There's no, the prescriptive part, it, it, it's, this is not prescriptive. That's right. Like, I can't be like, you know what? I should just be, I should really just be extroverted. Like, yeah. that's impossible. It's honest. It's honestly impossible. Right. Um, or it's, you know, what does it say? It doesn't compute. Yeah. Significantly impeded. Those intentions would be significantly impeded by my Enneagram type. Even memory is often noticeably affected, as we have seen. The complex must therefore be a psychic factor that, in terms of energy, possesses a value that sometimes exceeds that of our conscious intentions. So basically, it has animating energy, more animating energy than we often want it to have. Or that we can be aware that it's having. Yeah. Is that what it when he says it exceeds our conscious our conscious intentions. Intentions. Yeah. So so it acts beyond what we're aware, what we're aware yeah. of. Yeah. So like Napoleon didn't like he, you know, it, it, his that complex was prompting him to um unconsciously motivating, altering his intentions. Yeah. He was going beyond himself, essentially, beyond what he knew rationally to be or even emotionally to be um the best course of action the best decision um 
Otherwise, such disruptions of conscious order would not be possible at all. So otherwise, if it if it didn't have more energy than we're aware of, then it wouldn't be able to affect our our behavior. If it couldn't interrupt, if it couldn't override our consciousness, then it wouldn't um, if it didn't have that much energy, then it couldn't interrupt our consciousness. In fact, an active complex puts us momentarily under a state of duress, of compulsive thinking and acting, for which, under certain conditions, the only appropriate term would be the judicial concept of diminished responsibility. Is that is that um, guilty by insanity? Yeah. Yeah. So he's, he's basically saying, like, most of the time, we're so driven that you could tell the judge, hey, I had no control in yeah. this. Uh, I was just doing what my what my Enneagram type told me to do. But I mean, like, that's what, that's why, like that paragraph right there is why it sounds, your type sounds so much like a complex to me. Yeah. It, it, it seems, it seems like that's the, that's the nature of what we're describing when we describe your Enneagram type. Yeah. Is your, is your, is the, your, your mind, body, heart complex it fits into one of those three yeah and it's it's so powerful that even when you're like i'm gonna i'm gonna break i'm gonna break this pattern or like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna respond to this what like you you get stressed at work or what what whatever you know with your family or something and you're like okay i'm not gonna respond to this like i would a typical whatever your number is you know you're still being controlled you're right. still responding to the yeah. complex. Yes. Right? Yeah. It's still dictating your behavior. So it, it's uh you you can't get away from it. No. Even even when you're like I'm going to respond differently. Yeah, you're still reacting though to your to the thing that's there. Yeah. It, it's like you're still you're still you might be saying something different in conversation with your with your complex, the, the ego, the ego, you know, the conscious ego yep. communicating with the unconscious complex. Like you might say something different in response, but you're still having a conversation with your complex. <laughs> you just changed the way you respond. Like you just changed the, the typical pattern a little bit, but it's still a, it's still a give and take with your, with your complex. Right. Yeah. It this this reminds me of what of what Jung wrote about with we've talked about this before, Matt, with calling, with like a sense of vocation. Yeah. The way he describes it is um um as a uh, what does he say? It's a it's an irrational factor that acts as as if it were a law of God from which there is no escape. Mm-hmm. Right. But then I think, if I remember correctly, he goes on to say, the people that follow that or act in accordance with whatever that is, mm-hmm. while it may sound like you're crazy, those are actually the people that are like n- not crazy. Right. But he says, and I think I, I, it's dated language, but I think he talks about like the, your mental institutions being full of people that have neuroses and like these destructive behavioral patterns because they haven't followed or because they've rejected whatever, you know, whatever that that animating factor is in their lives. Yeah. 
they they're in conflict integrate it yeah that's right and so so even if so it's the people that are out there that are like in guilty by insanity that he describes that are that are actually most of us yes and it's the ones that refuse to integrate that or to uh, bring that out of the bring it out of the shadow. I, I don't know, Matt. I don't know yeah. the Jungian stuff, but but yeah. bring that forward. That are the ones that end up in really severe mental crises. Um, yeah, yeah, and that's what that's what Jung talks so much about is that you can say, "Hey, I don't have a complex. I don't have an. You can be, you can be a four and say, I don't have an enneagram type." Yeah. But, or this isn't really me, or you can't put me in this box, or whatever, however it is you respond to it by, but you're essentially just repressing because you don't want to, you're repressing that inner, the energy, or, you know, what, what Freud and Jung would call the libido, you're pushing the energy, you're denying the energy that that complex has, you're denying the force and the influence that that complex has on your behavior. Yeah. And when you do that, you just when you just push it back down and pretend like it's not there or ignore it, all it does is just take greater control over your your actions and reactions. It it, it starts ex exerting it, it starts exerting greater force on you than if you brought it if you acknowledged it and and looked at it and you were introspective about it um because that's so that's kind of that that i guess that that would be how the enneagram became the enneagram is because okay you've got these three types you've got the you know the intellect feeling acting the the head heart and body you got this triad well then if you start to examine it further if you start looking closer well then there's there's three you can break each of those three things down into three different complexes or three different patterns. You've got, so there, there's always one type that naturally, um, that naturally represses or is blind to that, that part of themselves. So the, you know, the, the body type, the nine is blind to that, to that body energy, the head type, the six is blind to that, intellectual energy and then the heart type the three is sort of blind to their heart feelings or, mm -hmm. or or it's repressed in some way and then on either side of that on either side of that repressed type there's like what seems like sort of an external versus internal so like the head type the five is using the intellect to reflect um, to go inside themselves to explore their inner world and the seven is using the intellect to explore the outer world and then like the one so it would be eight nine one the eight is using their instinctive energy to take on the external world the one is using their instinctive energy to take on their their internal world they're taking on themselves in order to perfect themselves. And the eights are trying to sort of stamp themselves in the world, put their stamp on the world. And the ones are trying to put their stamp on themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Like the eights are trying to keep, keep that from coming into them. Right? Yeah. So they're projecting it out 
and the ones are the opposite. What's what's insane about ones is that for all of the order that they produce in the world, right? Mm-hmm. That's just the overflow of of what they're projecting inside oh, right. on themselves. Yeah. So you're just seeing like a fraction of what they're experiencing internally. And you're like, wow, this is incredible. I've never seen somebody that could organize something like this. Right. And it just, it's just a tiny bit of what they've actually like experienced. Oh, it's, it's, it's mind blowing. It, it, it is. It, bo- it uh, bottles the mind. It bottles the mind for sure. <laughs> but yeah, you pick that, like the, that little, that, that like energy you pick up from, and you could do this with the other types too, but the, the energy you pick up from ones of them working so hard to make everything right is you're just seeing the you're you're just seeing the shadow of what's happening inside them to make yes. themselves right and and you could say the same thing for for sevens yeah no what no it'd be five fives fives would be internal like the little glimpses you get of like the thought pro like what a five is thinking about like you have you have no idea how deep they've gone down whatever rabbit hole like as a five we're we're concealing 95 percent of all the things that that we have pondered with all the energy we have yeah well matt i i'll never forget the day that i found out that you were um doing stand-up comedy like i thought that this was a new thing for you Oh, you're like no, you were like no, man. I've been doing it for I don't know, maybe a year or two. <laughs> and I was like, who else knows this? And you were like, ah, I don't know. I didn't, didn't really say anything. Yeah, no, not nobody really. I've been I've been thinking about it for a couple of years. Oh yeah, yeah. But I had been thinking about I had been thinking about it like my whole life. Yeah. And it, I just finally, you know, gave it a shot. You but, finally felt like you'd investigated it to the level where you could be competent. Where I could, where I could take a us a step toward Uh toward putting it out into the world yeah but but so but that that's the i think to me that makes sense you've got the three you've got the three centers the head the heart and the body and then from there that breaks down into three you've got the 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 repressed you know you're repressing the center or you're projecting it out into the world or you've turned it in you you're you've turned it outward or you've turned it inward so that gives you three three types for ev- for every center head heart and body which yeah. gives you nine which gives you nine yeah now you i mean people then you know i don't know how new this is but it's newer than the enneagram is the the instincts of self the self-preservation instinct the social instinct and the sexual instinct yeah which would break the types down even further into the threes and that those make sense on some level i can i can see that um but what we were talking about what you mentioned before is that we were talking about repressing this information down into the shadow yeah and sort of denying this complex but if you bring it into the light and you start to examine it and and that's what consciousness ultimately that's what consciousness is doing we're we're breaking the whole the unity down into smaller and smaller pieces 
that we can process and digest. That's what the conscious mind is doing, is yeah. differentiating. Yeah. We're differentiating all the parts of the whole. And so the more conscious we become of our of the Enneagram and our type, well, then you could probably, it probably won't be long till we break down the self-preservation instinct into three types, the social instinct into three, and the sexual instinct into three. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. We're, we could, the more conscious of this we become and the more aware, like it, we're just going to keep breaking things down. Now, that's what we, that's what we do. That's what we do. That's what yeah. conscious, that's what consciousness is. Yeah. It's just differentiating night from day, me from you. Parts in the whole. That's it. That's it. So, I mean, the three part, okay. Does it always break down in threes? I don't know. Maybe you know that i don't know i don't have a good explanation for that um to try to systematize the whole you know to wrap a bow yeah. around the whole thing but going from three to nine makes pretty good sense to me what do you mean going from three to going nine? from three three centers body oh yeah heart and mind yeah and then you've got repressed external internal so that that nine makes makes sense to me yeah. Do you, does that, do you see how I got there? Does that make sense? Yeah. It, it shows that there's some kind of order to it. Right. You know, um, and so, I, I think the moment that we, well, I think we will continue to like deconstruct this in eventually into nothing, right. Where we're all we're left with are a million different parts to the point where the parts don't have very much meaning. Yeah. And, and at that point, the pendulum will swing back and we'll say, yeah, but, but the parts only have meaning within the whole, right? So we can deconstruct this forever and eventually we'll just be left with talking about, you know, like random things um, that we can't connect. Um, yeah. Like, it, it, I mean, it's like, look at anything in the world, right? I mean, look at the way we break down, the way we break down molecules and cells and how, all of these things are going to interact to form like a body, right? A, a living body. Yeah. Um, if we take them on their own, then they don't mean anything, or at least they mean something totally different. But it's only in the context of whatever the whole is that yeah. they become meaningful. That yeah, exactly. And, and I got... think that's that's where that's what I I like. Maybe I'm, and I'm sure like I'm reading myself into this, but I always want to like try to keep in mind that this only works as part of the whole. Yes. Otherwise, I just, otherwise I, I just end up feeling ridiculous. And I'm like, I think I'm just justifying or rationalizing my own behavior here. Yeah. Instead of describing or helping me understand why I'm doing something. Yes. Because if it's not helpful and then it doesn't have meaning, exactly what you're saying. Yeah. If we, we can't, we can only break it down, or maybe we, we can break it down, but we should only break it down to the furthest point we can without losing the meaning. So, right. like, theoretically, we could have 8 billion Enneagram types because there's 8 billion people in the world, but that's not helpful. Like, it doesn't give you anything to you to use or to, it doesn't give you a tool. It doesn't give you well, insight. 
as as the nine here, it doesn't help me. It doesn't connect me to the universe in any way. Right. I don't feel like I'm connected to humanity. I don't, and that's I think maybe what I was just describing was like the feeling of making sure that what we're doing is in some way connecting us to the larger thing that's out there. Yeah. The thing that gives us meaning. Right. Whatever you do, don't disconnect me from that thing. Yeah. And whatever you do, don't give me useless information knowledge. Like, right. Like that doesn't help. It doesn't like I can't use that information if there's eight billion types. Okay. So then what's a helpful, what's a helpful um, sort of floor that we can break things down where if we break them down any further, then we're, we're, we're into meaninglessness. Where, where you can both understand your own experience um, and you can still also troll your friends in the group thread. Exactly. That's the, that's the litmus test. Yeah. Well, and that, that, that's funny because like fours would say nine types is where it's already meaningless. Like yeah. you can't, yeah. Like it doesn't, ha- that doesn't, that doesn't help you understand me at all because I'm one, I'm one in 8 billion. Right. And yeah, that's, they're not wrong. Like that's true. They, they every, are, every snowflake is designed. Every snowflake is designed by God. Mm-hmm. Handcrafted. Mm-hmm. That, so yeah, that is true. But that doesn't mean that having nine types isn't helpful. Like it is. Yeah. It like we haven't reached that nine is not that is not that limit. Yeah. Or that it doesn't mean that there aren't a billion other people out there that also think that they have transcended the nine types in the exact same way that you do. Right. (laughs) Yeah. You just put yourself in a type. Yeah. By saying that no type can can fit you i mean i i had i had this student i had this student once who was who was an enneagram four um who used to always who did she resented very much that i would i would low-key troll her pretty hard for being enneagram four and she'd get kind of angry about it um uh and she would always bring me these examples of how of how she was different than the other enneagram fours and i was like you got to make it harder for me than this. Yeah. Um, but it's like, you, you're, you're doing it. <laughs> you're doing right. it right now. <laughs> you're be, you're doing the four thing. Right. I would, now. I would just be like, you're right there. You are so unique. There are, it's just not possible to capture the essence of who you are with the other fours who have also told me the exact same thing, which is, which is what we're talking that it's the, yeah. it's the, it's the, um, the, it's the I- animating energy that's running contrary to your yes, intentions. That's it. You're right. Your, your You're right. immediate intention is to try to convince my professor that I am completely unique. <laughs> but but your complex is proving to your professor yes. that you fit into this particular category at this particular yes. moment. That, that you have somehow transcended beyond uh, the the history of religious experience of recorded religious experience of vocation that you have you have done it you did it 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 has worked for every single other person until we got to you yeah it, it's it's like 
it's like they it's like running it's like running around the enneagram symbol and and then sitting right back down in the in the <laughs> that's great in the, in the four spot every time yeah. yeah like every time you try you just come you just sit back in the same seat every time you sit down that's right yeah um so what's what 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 i think is interesting is that because i'm i'm reading um the origins and history of consciousness yeah by eric neumann who was a, who was uh, a disciple of um or a protege of Jung, and he talks about and i i feel like this is pretty typical of analytical psychologists or depth psychologists you know people from the freudian union way of doing psychoanalysis is to say that our person we're we're becoming conscious in order to establish our a a personality like our personality is a product of consciousness because under the forces of our unconscious like we're not unique we're just we're just this system we're just this system of like actions and reactions and and animal instincts you know we get hungry we go find food we uh-huh. we get hit we go hit back you know if, right. if there's a threat we eliminate the threat and we make babies and we like we're just if we're following all of our unconscious instincts we don't have we haven't developed a personality yet so i'm not even sure to the degree to which we can say the enneagram is a personality test because it's not it's only when we become as we raise our level of consciousness and take things out of our out of the unconscious part of our psyche and move them into the conscious part that we can even that we're even free to act out our yep. true selves yep right and so if we're not acting out our true self then we don't have a true person our personality is only the expression of our true self right so it's actually limiting uh yeah yeah so so when we talk about it in in a like in the typical way we're actually limiting limiting the the experience or the or the um the 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 personality aspect of of it like a, a is is that right we're we're talking about a shallower version of of the thing yeah we're talking about we're talking about idiosyncrasies that's right that's it yeah we're not talking about personality we're not talking about identity we're not having an ontological conversation right yes yep so like cuz animals don't have personalities they have right. they have idiosyncrasies i mean yes. anim, you know one squirrel is different from another squirrel to some degree yeah but that doesn't mean that squirrels have personalities because a personality is is a byproduct of consciousness. A true personality is a byproduct of consciousness. And, and only when be and, and that's the way, I mean, that's the that's the upward, that's the upward vision of the Enneagram. Yeah. Is that we become conscious and then we can escape the 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 counter energy that that force that that counterforce that counterbalance that's moving us away from 
what we intend that has its own volition and its own that force inside our psyche that has its own will it, the only way to move beyond that is just to become conscious of it and once to the degree you become conscious of it it loses its it loses its power it's it loses its force it's libido the libido energy is transferred from the complex into our consciousness yeah it, it it's kind of like going back to that going back to schleiermacher on religion it's like the moment you become conscious of a religious experience you're not experiencing it's not a religious experience anymore mm -hmm. it's it, it's a it's a watered down version of whatever that thing was right it no longer becomes the thing that you were experiencing because now you're conscious of it and you're trying to map it and you're trying to understand it yeah um you're trying to pick it apart and deconstruct it but once you become once you're able to once it's no longer pre-reflective once it's reflective it's not then it's not that thing anymore. It's lost its force. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, so the true person, the true personality, and and Matt, the thing that sorry, the thing about about it losing its force is that um, if if once you become conscious of the thing, the thing is no longer that thing. That God, I hate the way I'm talking, but the thing is no longer that thing. Um, what that also means, though, is that you can't control it because. You can't say, well, I'm going to become unconscious of it, right, so that I can get back to that experience. It it doesn't work that way because if you're saying I'm going to become unconscious of it so that I can get back to the thing, you're becoming – you're conscious of it, the fact that yes. you're doing that. Yes. And so so it means that you can't control that thing, right? It, in other words, it's what you talked about, I don't know, at the beginning. It has a volition, Mm -hmm. It exercises its own agency apart from me or apart from my consciousness. Yes. That's what I, that I can't control. Right. It, it, it is its own animating factor. And it, it's almost like, um, I mean, we talk, a lot of people talk about the ego consciousness as just like a flashlight that we can, like this higher awareness that we can shine on different parts of ourselves to illuminate mm -hmm. and what you're trying to do you can't you can't control that 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 complex can't control that part of you that has developed for unconsciously for your survival all you can do is take the light of consciousness and shine it on that complex but that somehow is the alchemy of like minimize it, 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 it like minimizes yep the power of that complex in the same way that in the same way that conscious recollection and deconstruction minimizes the religious experience a, a past religious experience it, it minimizes the force of that of that complex so yep. There's nothing to be done is what we're is what we're getting yeah. at. Yes. Like there's nothing to be done about our type. There's no should or shouldn't. It's just that as we become aware of our type, we can begin to expand our consciousness and and now display or produce 
our true personality. Yeah, well, and it, sorry, Matt, I interrupted. No, you. keep go ahead. Go ahead. Well, and, and it sounds counterintuitive, but the the more we develop our own personality, the more we are able to hear and see others. Yes. For who they are, because we begin to realize that we are different in a certain kind of way mm-hmm. and that we're the same in a certain kind of way. Yes. And so we're actually able to see others more completely as we're able to see ourselves more completely. Yes. Which is an extraordinary thing. Yes. And again, it sounds so counterintuitive, but it's not because we really only know ourselves in comparison to others or in comparison to the other and other thing, right? So how do I know anything about myself if I don't have something to compare it to? Mm -hmm. How do I know whether I'm, you know, whether I'm loud or quiet, short or tall, big or small, you know, um, you know, how do I know any of the, any of these things unless I've seen or experienced something else? Right. Um, so and, the more we're able to understand ourselves, the more we're able to to see others as themselves. Yeah. And and the the big thing that jumps out to me in that process is projection, because the more I discover myself, the less I project myself <laughs> uh-huh. onto everyone else. Right. Like, because if I understand who I am and I understand what's happening in my unconscious and I see it for what it is, then I'm less likely to put that onto the world around me. If it's repressed, then I don't know what's happening beneath the surface. I'm going to be constantly assuming that other people are operating out of this same energy and the things that are repulsive to me, I'm going to put those on other people yep. and I'm not going to see them for who they are. Yep. It's, it's like when you're growing up and you just, you know, ev- like every family is, is, is every family system is crazy in some way, right? Mm-hmm. Completely irrational in some way, every single one, but you don't know that as a kid, right? You just assume everybody else's family is doing what yours is doing. Yeah. And then you go spend the night at your buddy's house and you're like, Oh my, God, like this world that I just entered into is wild. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, my, your mind is blown because they're like, they're, they're eating their cheeseburger in the car. And you're like, you're allowed to do that. This is crazy. Yeah. You eat um, cereal for dessert. Yeah. 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 And, and, but, but until you get to that point, you just assume everybody else is doing the same thing. And it also shows you what part of your system is you know, the, the craziness in your system or the irrationality in your system. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you have to go through that process of self of it's almost, it's not, it, it feels like deconstruction in, initially where you're like, where's, the, where is the bottom of it? Like if I start pulling if I start pulling at threads of my behavior and my my mindset, my paradigm, like th- that's just going to be a bottomless pit. And that's not, and I think that's almost like, I think that's an energy that ones get where it's like, this is not going to help me be a better person. Like I'm just going to, it's just going to tear apart the foundations that I've built. But really you're just, by pulling at these threads, you're just untying 
and loosen. You're just opening up. You're basically just opening up what's underneath there so that it so that it can be exposed so that it can be seen in the light and that you can now integrate that part of yourself into your full into your true self and you can you can get you can you can figure out what's what's in there you know whether i this is yes. part of me that i want to keep or part of me that i that i i don't want to be a part of me but you can't by repressing it you'll never get there if you don't start pulling at the strings, you'll never see what's yeah. in there. And I think that's that's a challenge for a lot of ones who who have who who uh, tend toward like black and white. Yeah, right. It's good or bad. It's it's either perfect or or it's uh, it's tarnished. Um, to not see, and when you talk about bringing something into the light, to not see, not assume that that means that something's bad. It just means that it's undiscovered. Right. Right. And so it, it's not good or bad. There's actually no quality verdict that's being placed on the thing. It's just there, right? And that's that's a challenge, I think, for ones oftentimes to not to not be or to be able to accept the fact that how can it how can it be neither right nor wrong, good nor bad, right? How can it just be what it is? Yeah, there is there's a should or shouldn't in there somewhere. It, it, absolutely, yes, yeah. that's it. How yeah. can how can it not contain a should or a shouldn't. Yeah. And I think th there's a lot of there's a lot of ways there are other types who also resist. I, I mean, you know, for, we've talked about fours. Of course. Yeah. They don't want to unpack it because they're going to see what's what's the same about them or what yeah. what's categorical about them. Right. And sevens sevens only want to unpack the you know, the first line or two. Well, sevens don't want to pack it because it might hurt. Yeah. It might it, be unpleasant. They might have to do, and then they might have to do hard work, at, you know, after they, yeah, you know, find out what's, what's happening. And threes, you know, it's like, what is this? This doesn't get me anywhere. Um, yeah. What, where's the achievement here? Unless I'm in like an Enneagram workshop in which I'll be the best Enneagram. You know what yeah. I mean? Like yeah. this doesn't move me forward in the world. Um, yeah. And, and, and fives, we, we, we could just swim in it all day in the information from a, from a behind a, uh, you know, a double mirror Yep. where we're, we sort of take our brain out, put it in the lab and then, and then look at it, a distant, you know, it, which is avoidance in a different, in a different way. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and nines, nines are like, well. I could, or, or I could just pretend that it's not there. Right. Uh, if I look at it, that means I have to acknowledge that it exists. So yeah, uh, maybe, maybe I'll, um, maybe I'll go read a book or take maybe, a maybe it doesn't exist after yeah. all. Who's, who's to say, who's to say, let, let me go ask a friend. Yeah. Let me go, let me go call my brother. Hey, yeah. <laughs> you've been thinking about this for years. Can you tell yeah. me? And if he doesn't tell me exactly what I want or what I think, then yeah. maybe, yeah, maybe I'll talk to somebody else. Yeah, uh, but whatever I'm going to do is not going to interrupt my my energy, right? Because then that would require more emotional energy. Yeah. Um, so, well, I think this is a pretty good stopping point. Yeah, but but that was really good um, insight um, because I I want people to be able to 
explore this in the context of really getting somewhere with their own um with their own i don't want to i don't want to say mental health or but just toward their own toward fulfilling every every everything that starts to come out of my mouth is a cliche there's no way to say it but you just have to lean into it yeah but toward their own um true self yeah this is that's the reason i started the meme account was because everyone was putting it in the language of like superpower and truth and your true self and it was like no this is like it only works because it stings um and it's just basically this is basically what everybody really thinks about your type like you think it's a superpower everybody else rolls their eyes um yeah and the fact that you're telling me it's a superpower tells me you're probably three three or seven or maybe you're seven yeah 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 but it but if it's just in turn if, if this is just a if this is just a personality test or a self-help tool right or, yeah or a self-help tool forget about it like who yeah. needs it um but if this is a way to unpack who you really are what's really what's really driving you and ultimately how to escape you know how to escape the unconscious forces that are dictating your your life story yep um then it's then it really is interesting yeah and, and it goes back to what we talked about at the beginning where it, it's a framework for your to to process or to understand your experiences it's a vocabulary right right it's um it's a it's a tool not to not to make you better or worse because it's not prescriptive right it's just a tool to better understand what's happening or yeah. to better communicate what you think is happening yeah but the t and, and 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 to troll your friends and to troll your friends endlessly yeah 100 percent. yeah but if it doesn't make sense if you can't I, I really feel some people can just go well it's a mystery and if it's pretty cool right that's fine that works for some people but yeah for a lot of people it's like well how like how does this how does this map onto anything yeah um i i do think i do think you know we've touched on a lot of it and there's still more to be understood but i think the basic framework um does does map onto our experience yeah yeah agreed all right dude all right well, let me, I'm going to hit, hit on record or stop recording.